transmission in five rounds. Arrested by the Jadoon, the Doctor languishes in a deep space prison. Meanwhile, my companions are engaged in a mission to track and trace their long-lost friend. But danger isn't far away. The British Prime Minister has commissioned new defence drones which look suspiciously like the Doctor's arch-nemesis. And unscrupulous business magnate Jack Robertson is in on the action. Will the Doctor return to save 2021? Will we learn any more about Captain Jack's transformation into the face of Bo? And is this the last hurrah for Graham and Ryan? All this and more will be revealed in the Zero Room. Welcome to the Zero Room, the podcast which Ben Shapiro once described as foul. Today we present a seasonal special, like a Christmas charity panel show, except with no money going to the disadvantaged. I'm Robin, sometimes inappropriately described as the American Mike Ashley. I prefer to think of myself as the security equivalent of the iPhone or Cambridge's Jack Robinson without the toxic waste scandal. Joining me to discuss revolution of the Daleks is Jamie Hailstone, once described by Jordan Peterson as Zac Efron off acid. Welcome also to Dominic G. Martin, who's joining us live from 2031, where he's just watched Nigella Lawson's first New Year's special in the role of the Doctor. No spoilers there, please, Dom. We also have a bevy of first-timers. I'd like to introduce India Charlotte, Segalin Gentz, Max Curtis. Thank you for joining us. And in the chair today is the Zero Room regular Emma Davey. Emma, over to you. Guys, hello. Um, Happy New Year. And this New Year special, what do you think? Did it work? What didn't work? Okay, we'll go straight in. Uh, It was at least 20 minutes too long. Um, It was kind of talky, kind of navel-gazing, not a lot of action. It wasn't the worst 13th Doctor story by any leap of the imagination. There were bits that were good, but it just lacked a sense of sort of epicness that, you know, we've come to expect from these festive specials. It just feels, especially when you compare it to, say, something like The Mandalorian or Star Trek Discovery, you know, some of the big sci-fi shows out there, it just feels a little flat, or it certainly did for me. Yay, Jamie! (laughs) Uh, Segaline. Happy New Year to you too! (laughs) Segaline, what did you think? So I was a bit mitigated at the end on first watch and I rewatch it. Um, but basically, I think it's a very, very long build up, a very nicely developed problem for a very quick solution of 10 minutes and then 10 minute discussion at the end between characters. And that fell mm. flat. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, I thought that the first like 20 minutes, 25 minutes were excellent to an extent. But after that, mm. the episode just kind of started losing its pacing a bit. Yeah. It didn't really recover, I thought. I mean, I still enjoyed it for the most part, but again, there were loads of long, talky scenes. I'm very partial to a long, talky scene, but when it's off-balanced <laughs> with the amount of time that they just sped through some of those scenes, like the Daleks, Civil War, of what it could be called as more of a one-sided curb stop battle. <laughs> I, yeah, I just felt that it was just a little bit unbalanced. They explored things a bit too much that they that needed to, didn't let any other things build up as much as they should have been. Like, I do feel some of the elements like the whole 
departure of uh, Graham and Ryan ending scene loved it but the build-up to that just felt a little bit forced. Mm. India what about you? Yeah I pretty much agree with what everyone's been saying and that I thought it had a really strong start and then trailed off a bit. Uh, I haven't seen any 13th Doctor stories apart from this one but it sounds like everyone here agrees the end of the character's felt really forced and unnatural. Mm. I thought there were a lot of things that didn't really go anywhere. Like, mm. when it was revealed that the goo that the Daleks were being grown in was made of people, that was just kind of, like, left. When, <laughs> yes. I don't know, that, yeah. that just felt really <laughs> random and, like, it was just there for, like, ooh, shock value. And I feel like there were a lot of things in this story that were a bit like that. Do you think that was quite tortured? I felt that was, like, a really sort of tortured type thing. <laughs> just like meat. <laughs> Robin! Oh, I didn't really watch Torchwood. I, just like I don't watch The Mandalorian and I don't watch Star Trek Discovery. So, no, I have nothing to say on that matter. My man really out here just liking Dog 2 and that's it. Exactly. It's Dog 2. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, I think it's really funny that this podcast's hot take seems to be that talking too much is bad. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... Apart from the fact that I think the TARDIS smoosh was great, my main hot take has been, I think it's a very like representative episode. That's an exciting word, representation <laughs> of the Daleks. But it has, like if you watch, I mean, India hasn't seen the rest of the 13th uh, Doctor's era, but if you watch like the first or the second episodes that she had, it has the same positives and the same negatives as it has for the past two and a bit years. My main issue is really, I, like, I think the pacing was actually, for me, quite good. I liked quite a lot of it, but it felt like, like, if you were to boil this writing down to setup and payoff, it's like, there's a lot of good setups. Like, Yaz has a very strong motivation. Ryan wants to leave. Or, like, the Dalek invasion is itself a kind of setup. But then the payoffs don't really connect. Like, Yaz, she, she's not the one who finds the Doctor. Ryan doesn't really do anything to help protect the planet in this episode in particular. The Dalek invasion is stopped by a plot element from nine months ago. It just <laughs> feels like everything is a little yeah. bit disjointed. Mm. <laughs> That is a good point. About like it being disjointed, I actually kind of like that element of like continuity between this episode and previous episodes in the series. That was quite good. I appreciated that point. But about things that didn't work for me was also Graham's departure. To me, it made no sense at all. And mm. whatever emotional message was there, I didn't feel it at all. Like, I don't see the connect. Like, I don't see him having a strong relation with his stepson already. Mm. And so him saying, well, I want to stay with you was a bit out of nowhere for me. Mm. Mm. I completely agree with that. I thought Ryan's departure made no sense at all in the sense that Ryan is presented as somebody who is the Doctor's friend. And friendships end either because you fall out or because you drift apart. Friendships don't end because you want to join a cause and save a planet. So that really kind of, that didn't work for me at all. I just didn't think that made psychological sense. Does well, the friendship end? Well, he's not going to see her again. And they uh, can't don't... text. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, yeah, I just, I do feel like that whole, the, the fam were exceptionally cold towards uh, the doctor when she yeah. first arrived. I really did not like that because A, she'd explained that she had just been like in space prison and B, they're used to traveling in the TARDIS. They know is one, not 100% reliable. C, they should be grateful she turned back up at all. And D, yeah. I just couldn't help but contrast it with the scene in the Doctor Rid of the Wardrobe when the 11th Doctor turns up on Amy and Bory's doorstep after two years and they're still like, you know what, a little bit annoyed, but you're our best friend, come here. Mm. And I just felt that that was that element that the fam should have really have embraced 13 at that point. And I just felt there was a complete lack of love. And the fact that Ryan was 
off of her nearly the whole episode. And I don't like it. I just did not like it because it was just, you really, you're seeing your best friend after like 10 months. God, cut her some slack, dude. I see, I... I'm not sure because she rocks up after 10 months and she pops out of the out of the TARDIS with Jack going, hi. And they're all a bit kind of, hang on a minute. <laughs> You've been gone for 10 months. How could you just pop up as if nothing's happened? But also she's been incarcerated for decades, hasn't she? Mm, and they don't decades. know that. She never explains that to them. She briefly says when she pops out of the door that she's been in space prison and Jack had to break her out, but she didn't say decades. Mm. Mm. Do you think that she was 10 months late because it takes that long to wash prison grease out of your hair? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what everyone's saying though, like to me, it relates to the fact that like for a lot of Chibnall's episodes, character is kind of stuff that you assert it's stuff that you say like mm -hmm. i have been in prison for decades and it's not really stuff that you do or stuff that you feel so the characters kind of like may tell each other like oh this has been my backstory for the past episode but you don't really get the sense of like friends who are like learning about each other and like empathizing mm -hmm. with each other although i do think that the big exception to that was the really great doctor and ryan one-on-one -on -one scene which may have been filmed later than the rest of the stuff apparently mm -hmm. but who knows mm -hmm. Dalek versus Dalek. What do we think of that? Robin, go on, kick us off with that one. Basically, for my money, the, the bronze Daleks are the best Daleks we're ever going to see. So they're a design classic. Um, and anything which kind of moves away from that, I kind of feel is a move in the wrong direction. Nonetheless, I kind of think the drones were fun. Um, I think they looked pretty good. Filling the screen with lots and lots of tiny little Daleks. It kind of gives you scale, but it doesn't give you the impact of like a few Daleks um, close up. So I think mm. they did a lot of Daleks at a distance. And at a distance, they, they kind of look like ants and, and ants aren't that threatening. Where did the bronze Daleks originate? When do we first see them? We first see the bronze Daleks in Dalek, the very first <laughs> Dalek story in the Christopher Eccleston series. Ah. Which, of course, as we all know, for extra geek points, is also a big finish story called jubilee <laughs> jubilee indeed and it's is that virtually the same story reference to big finish that we have it to is. say every time oh, great okay got that out contractually way. obliged to mention big finish <laughs> this wasn't the first time that we've had warring dalek factions in doctor mm -hmm. who that's been a staple for many years uh, and going back to the classic era uh, in sylvester mccoy's time peter davison's time the, the one thing that really niggled me is how characters like jack robertson and the prime minister don't recognize daleks now because yes. it does strike me that the daleks do invade yeah. earth every christmas uh, every 12 months and surely a prime minister and we obviously have to go on the fact that most prime ministers are idiots these days as we know but surely a prime minister or somebody with jack robertson's power would be savvy and would go oh yeah that's a dalek mm. i'm fairly sure like they're still going by the series five post crack rules of like those alien invasions didn't happen or did happen i'm i'm not entirely <laughs> sure of that that thing I, I desperately want to find some way to blame this on stephen moffat but i can't <laughs> do it watertight but yeah it's the same thing with a cyber king as well um you would think that people would have at least written it down but no and everybody mm. forgot everybody just turned into donna noble for a day <laughs> the donna noble syndrome yeah The 
reconnaissance uh, Dalek. It's an interesting design. Max, anything to say about that one? I think the design looked a lot better on screen than it did in like press photos and like behind the scenes photos when this was filmed. Like when was it filmed? Like seven years ago or whatever. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I think was it notable with Daleks in general in this episode? It's like Chibnall clearly realized that in resolution, right? He had a really good idea of the Daleks like piloting a person. And it was such a good idea that he then kind of just did it again. But I think my, for me, like we were talking about the, the warring Dalek factions, the weirdest disconnect in this episode for me was the fact that like the premise of the episode is kind of Daleks as security and security is like the big theme running through this episode, even right down to like Yaz's insecurities. Um, mm. But it doesn't really necessarily connect to the, the Dalek civil war thing, unless you want to make a really tortured metaphor of like the Daleks are policing their genes or something. You know, it's it just seems a little like something didn't quite add up there for me. Um, so I did like each individual element. I, I did like returning to the whole like Dalek civil war thing. That was fun. But I don't know if it necessarily connected to the much more interesting premise of like the Daleks as cops. Mm -hmm. mm. Segaline, what did you think? No, I basically agree with Max. Yes, I, I thought that the um, kind of war of Daleks on Daleks didn't lead to anything. I was, I was really disappointed by that. I was expecting a lot more because it seemed to be quite a big build up to bring mm -hmm. back with like, with like the original like Daleks and then this new face. No, <laughs> no, yeah, I was, I was a bit disappointed there. I think you're all missing the really important thing, which is the new Daleks didn't have sink plungers. Um, so zero out of 10, yeah. Oh. Controversial, Dom, what yeah. do you think? Of what, the design now? <laughs> of India's comment. Oh, well. Zero that's... out of 10. Well, I think it's perfectly fair. I mean, sink plungers can take them or leave them. They didn't need them in the first place. Thank you, Cushing Movies, for proving that. I don't really have any strong opinion one way or the other on the sink plunger. <laughs> well, I think the sink plunger has been kind of on its way out for some time, hasn't it? And as Dom says, it never really did anything. There were some attempts mm. made in the Sylvester McCoy era and in the Christopher Eccleston era to do things with the sink plunger, which made it less of a redundant appendage. I kind of love its redundantness, you know? <laughs> it's wholesome. Classic, you can't just... I guess they had a good excuse to get rid of it with like the the, the police Dalek, which you mm. know they couldn't do anything with it against people. Like maybe like pug them a bit. I don't know. <laughs> Not very very like helpful. I think oh, it's clear I'm... that like the the viewers probably don't care as much about like Dalek design nuances as like fans or indeed like the Daleks do. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I care don't... about nothing but that, to be honest. I'm really not a Dalek. <laughs> that... is, is, it, is it still a Dalek if it doesn't have a sink plunger? That's philosophical. Very philosophical. I would like to say that the Dalek creature, I think, was as good as we'd ever seen it. I love mm. the scenes where the Dalek creature kind of flies through the air and lands on the back of Louis Rigazzani. I thought that was really, really cool. So and... 10 out of 10 for that. Mm. In good to India's zero out of ten. I and give the Dalek creatures ten out of ten. They okay. were really cool. They were really You're cool. determined to agree with me. And he says, "Good, you. good puppet." I like mm. that line. I liked when they were shouting, "Your bodies are too slow. Stop running. There's no point." <laughs> <laughs> I missed that entirely. What? <laughs> when they're flying yeah. through the streets, they're just like, "Your bodies are too slow. Don't bother." To <laughs> <laughs> rewatch that now. That's amazing. Captain Jack Harkness, the return. How do we feel about that? Did it work? 
he really fitted in very nicely, actually. It was like he hadn't really left. He wouldn't thought this character had been gone for like 11 years to the day. I thought Barrowman just slotted very much into the role. I mean, he's been basically hyping it up enough. He's been basically a one-man publicity machine for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> but I really did like how uh, Jack interacted with the, the Doctor at this um you could tell that they still have that very large amount of mutual respect between the two that, they, that has carried through since Tennant. I thought that his interaction with Yaz as well in particular was mm. a very wholesome. They had a very nice bond there. The only thing I'm very sad about is that he didn't really get much of a goodbye. He got a phone call. Yes. <laughs> gonna gonna stay like, with Gwen for a while. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Marrowman, we forgot to film a scene. Okay. Oh, wait, don't bother. Just give us a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, you've grown your dye out. We can't get you back in. Yeah. (laughs) I did like the moment where the Doctor meets Jack for the first time and she says, have you had some work done? I thought that was lovely. And in fact, I thought there were loads of points where the dialogue was really good and really popped and was really funny. Billy did seem like two old friends that had reunited. I thought, Mm. I I loved every interaction between them. I thought it was Mm. great. Yeah. I agree with Dom, actually, that I think John Barrowman slotted very quickly back into it you know almost seamlessly the one very annoying thing and it actually goes back to what max was saying was that in chibnall scripts there's an awful lot of one-liners which are supposed to sort of define a bit of character so captain jack spends the whole episode saying hey i'm immortal i can't die but at no point does he actually (laughs) die die? (laughs) uh, or come back which would have kind of illustrated the point a lot better than someone saying as you do because it happens to me every day down here in Sussex somebody saying I can't die etc (laughs) and everybody just seemed to accept this on face value so I was half expecting at some point for him to get zapped by a Dalek and come back to life thinking about it yeah this is the first story that Jack has appeared in since Bad Wolf that he hasn't been killed yeah, basically died when he came out of the time vortex in Utopia. Um, he was killed by the master in Sound of Drums and he got shot repeatedly in Last of the Time Lords. Stolen Earth Journey's End, he got killed by the Daleks. And that brings us to now. And he got very, get off very lightly, comparatively. <laughs> I'm much more mixed on Jack coming back because on the one hand, I think with Jack himself, I think it worked really well. I, you know, as much as John Berriman, like someone said, is a one-man publicity machine, he very clearly wants to be every fan's favorite. That's his like life goal now. Mm. But on the other hand, I think as much as Jack worked in and of himself, I think he kind of got in the way of the plot of this episode. Like to justify him being there, he does so many things like helping rescue the doctor or, you know, helping blow up the ship that it kind of left much less for everyone else to do. Like I, I almost would have preferred a, a rewriting of this episode where Yaz somehow rescues the doctor using the spare TARDIS or where Ryan and Graham do a clever thing to figure out how to blow up the ship. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where, like we've mentioned, he doesn't even, Jack doesn't even come back at the end of the episode. He's kind of just there to be wheeled out as, you know, a fun character that everyone rightfully loves, but he isn't actually mm-hmm. necessary for the plot. Yeah. And it might have almost been better if the the main characters of the, the show had been given more things to do. Mm-hmm. No, I think... I mean, I quite enjoyed his presence. Um, for me, it didn't like it didn't remove anything from the other characters. On that point, I kind of disagree with you, Max. Maybe a little, mm-hmm. because I think anyway, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, would have been a bit more proactive. But I don't think I would have seen Ryan or Graham actually do anything. To be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a problem with the characters. Yeah, <laughs> and they're based in a way. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I feel like 
yeah, mm. it didn't bother me that much. As Max says, it is a problem with the characters. And I think perhaps one of the reasons why the interactions between the Doctor and Jack were so natural is that there is a kind of general, there's an equality between the Doctor and Jack. They're both immortal. They both can travel through time and space. They don't need to be a passenger on somebody else's spaceship. Whereas with Graham and with Ryan and with Yaz to some extent, they're just regular people who have kind of hitched a board. So they don't have the same relationship. Mm. And they're also more developed characters as well, but that's mm. another point. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. Well, it speaks to how the Chibnall era is very invested in trying to make the companions be very normal people, like to the point where they're almost, you don't want to give them too many unique identifying characteristics beyond a handful of things because then they become almost too defined. Maybe this is overstating the case, but like, you know, if you were watching a normal like Netflix show or something like, I don't know, The Queen's Gambit, because that's what I've watched recently, you wouldn't <laughs> really have someone... Yeah, it's great. But you wouldn't have like just a totally normal person in that show. Like if you're justifying watching seven hours of this mm. character, you have to give them some kind of spin or some really interesting voice. But it's like in the scenes where, for instance, Jack says like, oh, by the way, I'm immortal. Oh, by the way, my friend is in a parallel universe. And the companions just kind of respond with like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> like they don't have a particular ah. voice to them. Mm. Um, and as much as I do like them in many ways, it's just they're so... Chibnall is very intent on making them very normal, ordinary people. And to that extent, it means that by the end of like Ryan and um, Graham leaving, they don't feel that changed because they're still just kind of normal, ordinary people. did take some some things away from the other characters maybe but i kind of think you're you're putting too much faith in the writers that if he hadn't been there they would have had more to do right? <laughs> like that's, that's my fault as well <laughs> i do think all the other characters felt really awkward it felt like they didn't really need to be there but i don't think that was a problem with captain jack i think there were ways that that could have been fixed still having captain jack there you know mm. i don't think he was the problem I think he was one of the best bits of the episode. That's a good point. Mm. Mm. Maybe it's easier to write a character who is extraordinary. And the trouble is that when you catapult ordinary people into extraordinary circumstances, it's very hard. Whilst you're also trying to save the earth and establish a new form of Dalek and do loads of fan service and do loads of backstory and blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's hard in those conditions to do normal people encountering extraordinary things. I think, I feel it's more of a way that the the people that the Doctor travels with usually start off as ordinary people like Rose Mm. or Martha or Donna Mm. but then they become extraordinary over the course of their journey Mm. as everything affects Mm. them and how the characters develop. I would say that you'd you'd probably get this the least with Ryan. Yeah, Ryan and Graham really, you don't really evolve as such as characters past their initial Mm. series 11 arc of them actually, you know, starting to like each other. So... (laughs) Exactly. I, I feel like they've probably Chibnall didn't know where exactly to go with them and he tried to pull the focus towards Yaz a bit more in series 12 but even then it was only for one episode where they focused on the suicide attempt that she once had so I feel like it was just a little bit unbalanced in that respect and I think you kind of Mm. see this in Revolution because the way that Graham and Ryan leave you don't feel like they've particularly changed that much as people even though Ryan says they have you're just like really? 
And I, yeah, I just feel like they they had, in a way, even though their initial arc was done, they still had more to give, which is weird, but that's how I feel. Mm. Mm. So, so what about their departure? What about the departure of Graham and Ryan? Did it feel natural? Was it a surprise? Segaline, what do you think? I know that, uh, for example, Graham's departure was not a surprise. I think it was announced like mm. a while back. Um, yeah. I think Ryan, agreeably, was a bit more, I was more a bit more okay with that because we've seen him before being a bit more like disappointed in the Doctor, mm. wanting to stay more, you know, on Earth and like look after his mates, as you said. Mm. Uh, but for like Graham then to say, well, I want to stay and look after you and see you like become a man or whatever, that was for me very unnatural and not. Yeah. He seemed quite keen to sort of get on board with another adventure, didn't he? Until Ryan started saying he wasn't going to come again. Mm. Exactly. And like, even like in the series, I thought that Graham and Yaz were quite close to each other, but more mm. than Ryan and Graham have been depicted together. Mm. Yeah. Dom? Yeah, I thought that, I mean, I admire that they set it up slightly in series 12 with Ryan and his mm. friends, well, friend, getting a bit like, more screen time and seeing how that bond developed off screen and everything but I think the episode possibly would have benefited maybe a little bit more with that focus in mind and maybe bringing his friend back for like at least one more scene just so you know really what Ryan's actual problem would be I just felt like it just felt very stilted it was just like no not coming bye and It wasn't like Martha, where this felt like a very natural departure, but like, you know what, it's not working out anymore, I would like to go. Ryan is just essentially like, okay, not going now. And Graham's like, okay, sorry, Doc. (laughs) Although for a brief moment, I did feel like uh, the way that Bradley was acting was very emotional. I thought he was going to reveal something about the, you know, the big C that he once had. And I was like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) It didn't sit entirely right with me, although I will say the actual final scene was perfect in mm. absolutely every way yeah. that it should have been. I loved yeah. their final scene. It was just, uh, it was the best way that they, they could have been written out of the show, really. Yeah, when it started, mm. I thought that was actually a flashback to the first time we saw them. I didn't mm. realise that they were recreating it. I agree with Dom on that one. I think it was really quite poignant and very nicely done. Uh, talking about Ryan's departure, it felt to me in the context of the episode more like he was leaving because he was feeling moody and annoyed at the doctor <laughs> for leaving them for 10 months than like his genuine desire to stay on Earth and help people here. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point, yeah. He didn't really seem to have any plan for how he was going to help the people of the Earth. Yeah, he, he... I feel <laughs> like <laughs> staying with the doctor would be the best way to help Earth in his situation. Mm. I love that. Maybe, him, him, and Graham now got a couple of pieces of psychic paper. But imagine if they don't don't know how to use it correctly. <laughs> they just go up to some place in Korea and they ended up yeah. with a piece of paper saying they're somehow the king of England. That's yeah. not going <laughs> to. John Bishop, new companion. What do we think? Jamie? Well, in, in my long and not very glorious career, I have met many stand-up comics. And I can say without getting into legal trouble, they are all very good actors. And actually, I, I think John actually could bring an awful lot. Mm. I, I know there were some comments last night that they've literally just replaced Bradley Walsh with a like-for-like like mm. another sort of northern comic. But I think, you know, it, it could be interesting. I was amazed that they kept that secret. Um, yes. 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 Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Well done, Dr. Very good. team. 
yeah, it's not I a will, single league. Uh, I mean, what I, I will say is that you forget that a stand-up comic essentially is somebody that gets up and delivers a one-person monologue night after mm. night character, mm. which is one of the hardest things. And and take it from me, the person on stage is not the person in real life. Sometimes they're very, very good actors. I would also say the same about daytime TV hosts. But, <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll leave that for when Robin presses uh, stop recording. Um, <laughs> Because uh, oh so much, so much dirt, so little time. Um, well, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually to see what John Bishop brings. There's, there is, they've started a little bit of a legacy for um, comics to be uh, involved in the TARDIS. So we've had Catherine Tate, Bradley Walsh, John Bishop, Matt Lucas, Matt Lucas, yeah. Yeah, so is he going to be an actual companion, do we think? Where's his place going to be? Well, I don't really know the man, so I can't really say anything about him or his character. But um, no, I just hope it brings a new dynamic in the TARDIS. Mm. And um, I don't know if that means that uh, Yaz will live at some point or if it's going to be the two of them. But yeah, so but no, let's see. I, it's nice to have a bit of change as well. I think the time mm. is quite good. I did uh, read somewhere recently that about the excitement about it, the TARDIS being all female mm. crew for yeah. the first mm. time ever. And of course, with the addition of John Bishop, that means it's not going to be mm. an all female crew. I mean, we uh, don't know who's going to join in, do we yet? So no. we might have a few episodes with just, you know, girls in charge of the TARDIS and mm. then it comes in at the end of the series. Who knows? Yeah. Max? Yeah, I think it does sound like he's probably going to be the full-time companion, especially since there's only um, seven episodes or whatever next series, plus a special. But I I mean, the problem is we can only really talk about him on a surface level. And so any sort of analysis or critique of the casting has to be very surface Mm. level. I mean, I think it would have been nice to avoid having a white guy as a companion or the doctor for just one year even just like mm. with series 11 just to prove that they could avoid old monsters it'd be nice to prove that they could have mm. a more diverse TARDIS just for a year but on the other hand uh, John Bishop seems to be a great actor a great mm. guy um, and I think he probably will be quite good in the role I just hope that maybe this new companion has more of a like an identifiable interesting voice and like a different reaction to situations than other companions do. I just hope he's not, you know, aggressively like typical and that he has mm. some something interesting about him. I mean, for all we know, he could be a, a secret alien from, you know, Mondas or whatever, but... <laughs> Fingers crossed for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. India, any thoughts about John Bishop? I don't know who he is. I just had to Google him when you were all talking about him. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, he, he was in the trailer, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I like his hair. I like Are you his denying hair, that he was in the trailer then, India? I mean, it's, this sounds like the beginning of a conspiracy uh, theory. John Bishop was not in the trailer. You didn't see it. I did see him. I, I couldn't have told you who he was. I just thought he was, like, a white guy. Surprise, surprise. Another one, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because pe- people are either know who he is because he's got, like, a trillion Twitter followers, for instance. He's either, yeah. like, someone that everybody knows or nobody has ever heard of him, um, which I guess maybe says something good about the, the idea that like Chibnall is trying to appeal to people who aren't like Doctor Who fans, I guess. Mm. I like it's him one in of Skins, the... if anyone remembers the yes, TV show Skins. I, I do. Like is he in Skins? He was yes. like the father okay. of one of the characters okay. or something. Okay. Father of the twins. There you oh, go. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was like um, super obsessed with, he ran a gym and he was super obsessed <laughs> with sport. <laughs> 
Okay. He was a great character in Skins. But Bradley Walsh, you know, he was in um, UK Law and Order. I was just remembering that, Jamie, when you were talking about... Um, what was that? Uh, yeah, yeah, UK Law and Order. Bradley Walsh was in that very he, serious he was role. Very good. He was very I good. I laugh unfairly then. I, that sounds like a terrible series, but there we go. He was in Blankety Blank as well, they, when they brought that back. Freeman Agyman, Freeman Agyman was in um, uh, Law and Order UK as well. So don't really? There yeah. we go. We used... I stand corrected. Spin-offs. What do we think? Any ideas for a spin-off? Just I've got some for ideas. Those of, for those of you who have never joined us before, this is the point where we try and copyright decent spin-off ideas so that when the BBC finally does them, we're, we're minted. I was getting like a new Touchwood generation oh. between the Ray and Graham with their psychic paper, paper mm. sorry. Mm. And um, of course, with the, you know, bringing back Jack was mm. could also in towards that and him giving a phone call to Gwen at the end I thought was a nice touchback to like Touchwood and yes I would like that yeah. I never watched the original Torchwood mm. but it's the kind of thing that I can imagine watching if it came back I can't believe you've never seen Torchwood believe it Emma I'm not making that up my pitch would be something more like like I'm imagining like Sex in the City, like um, Ryan and Graham just like hanging out, having brunch, samosas. Um, evil American Jack is there. He's, mm. he's called Mr. Small and they have like, you know, lots of gossip about his evil plans. Sex in Sheffield. Yeah. Can I put in a bit for the rights of that story right now? Just put my agent in touch with you immediately, Max. That's lovely. What, like me. what I would like to see is a mockumentary on how one guy built a massive Dalek cloning facility in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Asking the real questions here. <laughs> yeah. I know, how did that yeah. purchase order go through? That's what I want to know. That's the big question. He has an accountant. Surely his accountant noticed this. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? Yes, sir, there's a couple of million dollars going out of your account. <laughs> ah, keep an eye of it. Also, oh, on Amazon <laughs> Prime. I want to explain how liquefied humans are green because I would think they would be red. Oh. Mm, good okay. point, good point. Thank you, yeah, thank you. But on Dom's point, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, I think if I was writing this episode, and Chris Chidnall, I am available, if I was writing this episode, <laughs> rather than having the Dalek look to camera and say, well, the way we did it was like this, rather than having this, like, <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes of exposition, I would have had, you know, Jack Robinson gets a phone call, oh, there's a, a purchase order has been raised, and we don't know what it's for, but it's for, like, a billion dollars. Um, so, you know, you could have done it yeah. that way. We could have had a whole scene in the accounts department, and now that would have been dynamite. <laughs> Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. I just want the Dalek to be much more like complaining about it. Like he turns to the camera, he's like, it was a nightmare. Like you would not imagine. <laughs> have you have you tried to raise a purchase order in this organization? I forgot I had to my call... password four times. <laughs> I had to call Amazon Prime like a dozen times. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to liquefy a human? Oh. <laughs> I got them mixed up with the innocent smoothies for a while. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Tasted a bit more lemony than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, any ideas? I, I do wonder if Big Finish will snap up Graham and Ryan for a spin-off series at some point. If Bradley Walsh can find five minutes in between filming a million episodes of The Chase. I half expected, to be honest, I, I would have loved it if actually he turned around and said, you know what, I've just been offered a gig from a <laughs> game show. <laughs> uh, I'm off. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It does reset Torchwood. And I know mm. Torchwood carries on in the world of Big Finish at the minute. And if John Barrowman has its way, I'm sure it will come back to TV as well. Uh, I mean, this, yeah, this is uh, the first canon, like, well, in TV show reference to Gren Cooper that has been, that we've had since Miracle Day. And mm. uh, the fact she's still alive and now she has a kid, another kid, I should say. Yes. Um, so yes. it kind of sets that up a little bit. I don't know how far they'll go with it. I, maybe I'm, I'm a, a little bit sure that we'll probably see Jack again before 13 leaves. But yeah, how I would say in terms of spin-offs that I would like to see is just a series of uh, Graham and Ryan being arrested in increasingly comedic ways. <laughs> <laughs> What's the title for that show, Dominic? Uh, I don't know. Oh, oh. What's the name of uh, Bradley Bush? The show with his son. Breaking Dad, isn't it? Okay. Breaking in. <laughs> There you I, go. You're missing it. it. No, it should be it should be blankety blank. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> I really okay. enjoyed Christmas Day's blankety blank. I like that too. I want that to come back. And Bradley Walsh, if he's leaving Doctor to do more blankety blank, that's something I can jump on board with. The spin-off I would like to see is Jack Robertson's presidential run because they're clearly setting it up for that, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Which is, um, I was very annoyed at the end of the episode when it was just like, oh, this man has laid down his life for the... No, he hasn't! <laughs> <laughs> he sold you out! You've got to give him credit like... for how quick he was. Like, when he came back in the TARDIS, they were like, you've got a lot of explaining to you. I was making a distraction. Like, <laughs> Literally. Mm. Just like, okay, he's a 13. Surely you can do that. what you did with Harriet Jones here? No? Oh, okay. Just let him go off and be popular. <laughs> what planet should she have dumped him on? Scaro, mm. just go straight to the source. Make him enjoy them all. <laughs> planet 14. And there's a specific reference. We've been the Zero Room. Happy New Year, everybody. Next time we're talking about...